I thought I taught you better than to watch. Oh no, WWE. you sound like you sound like Emma Thompson in um, I don't know, Remains of the Day or something. <laughs> One of those films. Oh, now my knees bloody hurting. Oh. I'm just getting old. You know yeah. what else is old? History. History. Hello everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of I Don't Know History. My name's Alex, I'm your resident historian, and I'm joined, as always, by RJ. Hello. Who is the non-historian mm-hmm. today. I am the scholar. The scholar, yeah, there we go. Someone we found who, the word today. What was the other one I said? An autodidact. Autodidact. Someone who seeks knowledge. I'm a thespian. Th- well, perhaps you are a thespian. Oh. <laughs> That's not really... Just, no, I know, I know. It's not related to... completely wrong word. Do you remember how many thespians there were in the Battle of Thermopylae? How many lesbians can feel a light bulb? RJ. I was just trying to think of the of a rhyming word and lesbian was I'm bi, I'm allowed to LGBT. If, if, you, if you want to find out how many thespians <laughs> were at the Battle of Thermopylae, listen to I think it's episode five or six. Something to do with it's it's, it's the ancient Greece one. Go back and listen to it. Listen to all that know history. I I've just been I'm a bit all over the shop. I've been to the gym, so I'm, I, I apologise. I don't know the, the amount of lesbians that fit into a light bulb. Fit into a light bulb? Yeah. Well, none. <laughs> light bulbs are very small. You could make a big light bulb. You can. Well, in that case, the question is... Ce- the ce- question is always, how big is the light bulb? The question bulb? ceases to have an answer, because it's like, but what... A, I don't know. How but, long's a piece of string? Exactly. Half like, of it, twice. How many lesbians can you fit inside a light bulb? If the light bulb is is enormous, then lots of them. If it's normal size, then not many, but, you know. The same amount as straight people. Yes, and that's what's important. Equality. (laughs) Equality in all things. What is today's episode about, Alex? Well, today, RJ, I'm going to be doing an episode for you on the American frontier, Mm -hmm. or as it's colloquially known, the Wild West. Oh, yes! I just have to... um, I should pre-warn you, if at any point you begin to sing um, The Wild Wild West as recorded by Will Smith. William Smith, okay. um, I'm going to have to stop the podcast immediately. <laughs> okay? All right, can I get out of my system right now? Like, just get it out of the way. Uh, if you have to. Wild Wild West. Okay, cool. Wicked, wicked. Uh, see, that's unfair. Is that bell going to... It's the political bell today in use of Will that's Smith. Not po- that's not politics. Will, Will Smith's not the president. It's the Will Smith. <laughs> Might be doing a better job than the current president. Oh, first ring. Okay, cool. So, the American... Fr- Thank you very much. The American Frontier or the Wild West. Now, I didn't want to call this episode entirely the Wild West because while the Wild West is its own period, it's only like a 30-year period. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't last Why that long. Why is so popular? Oh, we'll get... Well, well, maybe we'll get to that. Um, and it is like an, like an area of what's called the American Frontier. So, what is the American Frontier? What's a frontier? Well, that sounds like a line of defense to me. You're basically right. So it's a moving line Mm -hmm. that defines the edge of settlement. Yeah. Um, So the American frontier refers to the, like the west, the the border of the current westward expansion of specifically white American settlements. Yeah. um, Into the hitherto unexplored territory on the North American continent. So, yeah. The general idea of where this line was changed with the eras. Yeah. So, beginning with the English settling Jamestown in 1607, mm-hmm. way back when, the sort of colo- the colonial frontier, that earliest frontier, 
was used essentially to refer to the line between the settlements on the eastern coast and the rest of the continent. Yeah. Um, post-revolution, obviously, so as, as we did the American Revolution last episode, it's a nice little continuation. Post-revolution extended as far out west as modern-day Illinois, Illinois and Minnesota to the French-controlled territory of Louisiana. Uh, Post-Louisiana Purchase, it allowed the, the, the Louisiana Purchase allowed the uncharted French territory, with the exception of New Orleans, which had basically been settled by the French anyway, mm-hmm. to be explored, as well as the totally unexplored northwestern Oregon County. And post-U.S. Mexican War, 1846-1848, which opened up California, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, Nevada, and Colorado. Um, I'm just going to briefly touch on the U.S.-Mexican War. It happened in 1846 to 1848, because I haven't written anything down about it, (laughs) which is an oversight that I'm only just realizing. Well, there we are then. (laughs) Okay. Maybe we'll touch on it again in the future. Yeah, it's fine. Um, So people in the USA see this time as an important period of cultural like fluidity between Americans of differing descent. So remember last in the last episode we talked about how um, their mistrust and dislike of the British... Their British overlords in America kind of crafted and created this this American identity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the American frontier kind of um, post-revolution, particularly, particularly um, even more sort of solidified this. There's the word I want. America. America. Yeah. yeah. So that manifested during the Revolutionary War and after of an American identity. Now, also, I want to uh, talk to you about something called manifest destiny. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that phrase before? No, but I know what a manifesto is, and I know what a manifest is. So, can you do you have an idea what manifest destiny is? I'm guessing it's this belief that it manifests within a group of people that there is a core destiny that they are aiming towards. That's how it sounds. To yeah, me. basically. So, what is the American manifest destiny? Well, that they are the best country of the world, or they, they at that period of time, they've got their freedom, I'm guessing. So they, they, they want to take control of the whole of what you we are know it as the US. Absolutely right. Oh, Amazingly. Yeah. So it's the idea that white Americans have been destined by God himself to hold dominion over the North American right, continent. You're going to want to hit the political ball because that is basically neo Nazism currently. I have written in 2019. Uh-huh. This seems a little bit ridiculous and out there, but it, this idea of, of a manifest destiny really governed American people's thoughts towards the expansion yeah. and eschewed the more modern idea that European settlers harshly uprooted thousands of natives in favor of some divine destiny. It's so strange, though, that they're doing that because they built their country on immigrants. And Well, like, they built their country... It wasn't country... even just that. It was built on Im- by immigrants from, like, the Caribbean. I mean, let's and... let's let's be realistic. America built their country on the backs of um, dead Native Americans and thousands and thousands of hours of slave labor. I mean, yes, yeah. But um, yeah. I just it's oh, it's just so ridiculous. Humans are dumb. That's true. So, do you remember the royal Pro- the royal proclamation of seventeen sixty three? Um, seventeen sixty three. Um, is from that from be last the whole episode, tax based stuff or. They haven't. I was that um, the America that America isn't recognized. No. So this happened. Um, this happened while it was still in, before the revolution, while it was still yeah. a British colony. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the one that forbade expansion west of the Appalachian Mountains. Oh, okay. Remember that one? Yes. Um, which would stretch basically, it's a long stretch of mountains, the Appalachians. They go from Alabama right down south all the way up to Vermont. Mm-hmm. So it was like, after it's, that range of mountains, not that much. you can't go America anywhere. isn't that much at this point in time. Oh, no, it's very small. It's only 13 yeah. colonies. Um, don't ask me to list them. I probably could, but um, I don't want to. Um, <laughs> basically, but, LA will not exist for a long time. Yeah, basically. And then, so they signed the Treaty of Fort Stanwix mm-hmm. in 1768 which opened that up. And then obviously they won the Revolutionary War and became independent, which, mean, which meant that uh, Britain had no, had no real governmental influence on where they could go. They still had some influence because um, they ruled Canada. Yeah. Everyone thinks the British are gone and they're back in Britain. They're still, they're still floating around up, up in Canada. Can we do an episode on like, Canada itself? Yeah. Because I don't really understand how Canada happened. Oh, like, okay. Did we go over there? Because I understand America. We hear about that a lot, but I don't understand how we got. Th- did we go to America? Were people already there? Was it a mixture of the two? France. I mean, why yeah, do people speak French in Canada? I did. I did mention this in the Discovery of America in season one. Oh, I should probably available on popmunch.com. Was it passing going? <laughs> because I Sorry? would like to expand more on Canada. Well, yeah. So I mean, we can take a little tangent. It's not a problem. Um, so the French arrived around um, uh, sort of, I can't remember what the river, the river is called. It's like the St. Lawrence River, something like that. Don't, yeah. like, um, this might, some, you might want to fact check this. This is not an episode on Canada. They landed in the, in the Montreal region around mm-hmm. Quebec. Obviously it was named for that. Um, the colonies in, the colonies in Canada that were owned by the French were called New France. Um... And there, there were there were indigenous people, obviously. There were Aleuts and mm-hmm. Inuits. Um, Inuits were further in Alaska as well. Um, and then during the... Wasn't, wasn't the Revolutionary War. It was the Seven Years' War. Okay. That we talked about in the American Revolution episode yeah. last time. Where it happened in the European theatre as well, but it also happened in, Ameri- in America. And due to that, there were British holdings in in Canada as well, mm-hmm. and due to the French losing that, or the the French Empire, I think it was at the time, or the Kingdom of France losing that war, they had to surrender all their territorial holdings in in America to Britain. Later on, they got some back in the Louisiana Territory and New Orleans and Baton Rouge. That's why those places down in Louisiana are named French. And then, yeah, so they were British, they were French, and. British and French, essentially, in Canada. There was the Swedish as well, the Swedes were up there. They didn't have nearly as many territorial holdings as the French and English, though. And then America was uh, Dutch, German, English, and then Spanish were in sort of Mexico and up the west, the western coast, in New Spain. Mm-hmm. There you go. Thank you. That's all right. That was a nice tangent. That's okay. Where were we? Manifest Destiny? No. Uh, Royal Proclamation. Yes, the Royal Proclamation. Um... The American victory in the Revolutionary War allowed them to become independent and opened up the West completely to them because it's their land now. So, what is what? What did people do to expand? Well, was it a slow movement of people, like as as cities grew and more more and more land was? I'm guessing what do you, think? you you well, you can go there. It's mm-hmm. not like it's a you can't just go. So they're probably aware of resources. So mm-hmm. the best bet, if you're wanting to take over certain bits of land, you try and pick the best bits to begin with 
because if the the local areas within those mm-hmm. rely on those bigger bits they're gonna eventually move allowing you to have an easy takeover of the next bit so it's essentially a game of chess people completely uprooted their lives mm-hmm. and just left the, the, the colonies and moved west yeah. and you gotta think america's an enormous country and you know horses exist at this yeah. time horses have been brought over from europe not indigenous to america mm-hmm. I just have to let you know horses not indigenous to america which is really odd to think because it's just the amount the, the prevalence of horses in in you know cowboy films and westerns and yeah. stuff like that not not just, like that, a, just when you think of equestrian like events mm-hmm. you do think more america for that you don't it, more regal you go british dressage like, yeah but for example when you think of more the kentucky derby for example yeah. horse racing yeah so um horses are brought over and even to ride a horse from like new york to no, ohio it would take oh, you it would take so you long. 16 hours probably more yeah. you know so to uproot your life and go just completely you know as far west as you can go um is kind of you know sometimes they went with nothing you know they went with like fur clothes and like just a knife and a sling bag and some things and like they built single room cabins or lean-tos just out in the wilderness they would hunt turkey and deer for food and they would open up patches of land and grow corn wheat and tobacco um yeah how is this governed Arjun? how do you think so what how was this governed oh, how was this said land, houses governed how was this land grab governed um probably not well during this point in time um I'm guessing there was some internal bickering between yes, the, um, the American people themselves. The idea was fairly sound, to be honest with you. It sounds a little unfair, but you just got to think about the realities of it. The idea was that while the settlers, as they were called, would essentially be in control of the land as it was, it belonged to the American government mm-hmm. because they have been given this land. You know, it's it's federal land, um, and they would then distribute it as they saw fit. So you've got to think of like these American settlers as almost agents of the government. Mm-hmm. going out there just settling this land so people can move in uh there was a charge per acre paid to the u.s government um so it needed to be reasonable enough to satisfy settlers who would wanted to buy that land and stay there but high enough to be some aid to clearing the u.s financial debt mm-hmm. um, it also needed to encourage a connected economy to ensure no breakaway western movement so it that needed, debt yeah. was for france wasn't it Hmm? That debt was for France, I believe. Potentially right? for their aid in the Revolutionary yeah. War, and also to Britain. Strangely, I know they've won a revolution. I was wondering, like, I'm aware of the debt. Like, yeah. uh, I was like, okay, who would, who would it be owed to? I'm guessing also state, like, uh, like the region to region kind of debt. Cause yeah, so, like, sure. New York would have been in more debt than like the more southern. Well, you, areas. you often find sometimes that the uh, federal debt is to some states mm-hmm. as well. Wait, say that again. The federal debt, yeah, is you know you they are indebted to some states sometimes. Oh yeah, like America owes New York money. It's just weird. <laughs> weird because I know that's how the Bank of America became mm-hmm. a thing, and they essentially pulled all the stuff together. Yeah. Hamilton. So they needed to make sure that kind of infrastructure and and sort of trade routes were feasible because otherwise, if there's not going to be a connected economy between these Western settlers. Uh, and sort of the eastern empire let's call it <laughs> you know the, the capitals kind of areas um they, they were worried they were going to be just western breakaway states yeah and be like ah oh, no we're we're west the united states of west america yeah 
Um, what, like, what imagine they just went, you know what? Screw all this. I'm going to go to California, mm-hmm. take over there. They're so far away. What are they going to do? Well, it was a republic to start with. Mm-hmm. When the, it was a republic to start with. Well, California. Yeah, late after the oh. after the American Mexican War, uh, it, it was ceded um, to like it was it, it it seceded from Mexico mm-hmm. and became the Republic of California, as all the colonies did before. Or every single colony became independent after the Revolutionary War, and it took the Act of Union, um, the Act of Perpetual Union. Um, to turn them into the United States, so every other state as well, once it becomes independent, is its own is its own independent state to start with until it signs its it joins the union. So Texas was as well, mm-hmm. Texas and Oregon, all those places were Arizona individual places, and then they became a member of the United States. Um, yeah, so idea was in the the idea of this. Um, Sorry, I won't understand it. Where was I? Also, <laughs> Alright, so squatters. Here's, yeah. an, here's an interesting idea. And it's squatters, right? These were essentially 19th century subletters. What they would do is they would pay money to the original landowners, who would then just move on, and live there. But because they had no legal deed to the land, as far as the federal government is concerned, it's not their land and they shouldn't be living there. Um, which is very odd. Yeah. Um, some more right-wing politicians dis- uh, thought this would be a good idea to s- can, like sell that land on very cheaply to you know actually actually make some money from that, and then just just get rid of them by force. You know. Yeah. Anyway, land was cheap though, even the high-quality land. So in 1840, jumping ahead a bit, there was a free soil movement called for low-cost low-cost, good-quality land for white farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, this was eventually ratified in 1862. Um, so they would obviously go there and set up plantations for their hundreds and hundreds of slaves. Uh, even, but like even after this, like if this continued after the Civil War of 1865. Only the black workers were paid. Not, not much. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Right. These new settled lands did not have the legal or societal infrastructure of the eastern cities like Philadelphia and New York, so often so were seen as lawless towns. Uh, people saw them as undermining the law-abiding middle-class society. And this lawlessness kind of promoted the idea of the Wild West. You go off to the West, the westernmost point at this point is like Ohio. That's also interesting. Interestingly, why Chicago in that area was called the Midwest, despite the fact that it's on the eastern side of America. Yeah, you heard you heard of the Midwest, the yeah. American Midwest. It always it's like that area of America always confuses me mm-hmm. because of what it gets called. Because yeah. hearing Midwest, I'm thinking Midwest America, but North Dakota, something like that. Is normally quite a wet place, but it's quite close to California. What, the, what is? What? The no, Midwest. Hearing mi- the yeah, Midwest, yeah, yeah. like the actual Midwest of that country, would be like. <laughs> this isn't a great. I'm trying to. Think You're in the desert. You're in Wyoming. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, and that's why my brain's like, okay, mm-hmm. they're normally wet places, was, though. The yeah. Midwest, but the actual Midwest is dry. 
That makes no sense in my brain. Th- there so it you took go. me a while That's to That's exactly why it's called because the furthest west point at this point is the Mississippi River. Yeah. So which is, you know, not far into the country at all. So that's why Chicago, like Illinois and Indiana and all those places are called the Midwest because they're kind of middle west of that part of America. And that name has just stuck. Which is just really funny. Because <laughs> it's, nowhere, it's nowhere near the west. Um, so we move on to, as we move further westward, we wanted the topic of cowboys and Indians. Yeah. All right. Well, we say Indians. Native Americans. So I might have to say Indians a couple times during this podcast so that I can... Fighting between Americans and Americans, you know, it doesn't work. So Americans and American Indians or Native Americans, I could say, I suppose. But it's more a mouthful. Maybe just say Natives instead. Yeah, sure. Let's go So one of the biggest obstacles to westward expansion was the presence of indigenous Native American Indians, as they were called. Um, You can't really talk about westward expansion and um native american difficulties without talking about the war of 1812 which i'm going to briefly going to touch on do you know what the war of 1812 was before i go on i don't know the specific date but was this going to end up with the whole thing of <laughs> you like, don't know the specific date not date i i, I am not it's called the war I of 1812 <laughs> i know but I, i'm aware that something happened where land was bought super cheap or scammed out of of them that is do you know who fought in the war of 1812 um no it was America and Britain. It was another... The, Brit- oh, the British came back again. I thought this was going to be America versus the natives. Ah, well. Uh, there's a very important uh, Native American called Tecumseh mm-hmm. who fought on the side of the British. Several different um, Native American tribes fought on either side. Um, so like the the Choctaws and the... Uh, the Creeks fought on the side of the Americans and lots of tribes fought with the, the British because the British supposedly had the Native Americans' best interest at heart. Um, so essentially where it started was the British wanted to create an independent state for the indigenous people under British mm-hmm. rule. The War of 1812 really began as um, uh, Britain was fighting France in the Napoleonic Wars. And so they then blockaded French trade blockaded French trade ports so that no one could get in to trade with them. Uh, America considered this blocking in French ports illegal under international law. So, and also, not, not only that, Britain pressed American merchant ships to join the naval blockade and was supplying arms and aid to natives who were raiding and killing U.S. settlers. Multiple things going on. Um, so they, they begin to war in the American theater as well. Um, because the British had so many of their troops in Europe at the time fighting Napoleon. You'll know about Waterloo and all that. Mm-hmm. We might do an episode on the Napoleonic Wars. I'll try not to say that, but continue. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> oh, fam. <laughs> you stop. You stop right now. Oh, so I was defeated and you won the war of this. Okay, cool. What? <laughs> I don't know where we're going. <laughs> um, okay, so yes. Um, needless to say, it was a, a long, wasn't that long, it was a three-year war. Didn't really go anywhere, not in the American theatre. What we really want to get to is the Treaty of Ghent, which is, Ghent is in uh, Belgium. There was a stalemate happening in the War of 1812. If you let it carry on a little bit, I think Britain probably would have won in the end and, and, and pushed through their demands, but there was no point risking all those lives. Um, it ended the war in a stalemate. No one really won. 
it made sure that all territorial lines um, were sit, reset to pre-war boundaries because obviously the US are going to go up and take control of certain cities, etc., etc. This term, this is called status quo antebellum, which is just Latin meaning what it was it's, before the war. It's the super band between status quo and lady antebellum. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's, it's the mixture of, of, of the two of them. Um, however... It is important to note that the chief among the British demands was the creation of an Indian buffer state from a Native American buffer state from Wisconsin to Ohio in an attempt to block American expansion. Oh. Um, however, uh, President James Madison categorically refused this proposal, and the, the British oh, thought it wasn't. The British thought it wasn't a big deal, so they left it. Okay. Which meant the U.S. was free to continue expansion. Um, so we move on to Andrew Jackson's 1830 Indian removal policy. Um, this is not good. Yeah, I can, I can just so, hear. east of the Mississippi River, there were fewer hostilities, but movement of Native Americans was pretty brutal. So there were 20 tribes were forcibly removed from their homes. They were, they were asked politely to move, and if they were like, nah, we don't want to, then they were forcibly moved from their homes to the new Indian territory, which was in Oklahoma. It was essentially a, a, an Indian reserve for all the Indians, all the Native Americans, sorry, all the natives. And, like, if they're, if they're a, the, the way it worked is if there were Native American boundaries that crossed each other, they would fight with each other. They would fight for sort of tribal supremacy and land and things like that. Mm-hmm. So putting them all in one place is, well, it was a terrible idea, you know? Um, so Creeks, Choctaws, Cherokees, Chickasaws, and Seminoles. I'm not going to test you on this. I might. Don't. Actually, um, were five of the biggest tribes of the 20 that were forcibly moved to Oklahoma. Yeah. It's interesting to note that the Creeks and the Choctaws fought for the U.S. in the War of 1812 with the United States in the War of Age 12 and they were just moved. Um, so... It's just... What's horrifying about all this... Oh, yeah, it was horrible. Is that it's... I mean, in general, it's horrifying, but... These people... were just... Uh, essentially, in their own home, the... Uh, I've forgotten the words. When you're not the dominant... Indigenous? Uh, Native? When you're not the the dominant people within a situation like white people are the most amount of people within the UK minority my yes so they're essentially a minority now in their own country and being removed from their own homes chucked into a singular place and told no mm. <laughs> and it's like, like I, why, why do humans have this whole thing of like let's restrict I, your freedom I can't even comprehend like how they would have fought Someone shows up and goes, you can't live here anymore. I was like, well, we've, we've lived here for a thousand, like thousands and thousands of years. I was like, well, too bad. We, we live here now. Yeah, we have guns. You know? Screw and so you. They, they, fight, they fight with, you know, to the death because that's all they have. So, uh, roughly 70,000 uh, Native Americans were moved. Now, you've got to remember that before, historians reckon that before European settlers arrive in, on the American continent... There's half a million people mm-hmm. living in America, about 500,000 people. So then compare these numbers. So 70,000 Indians, that's a lot, but it's not... You would think like, oh, there's 300 million people in America now. 70,000 is not that many to just move somewhere. It is a lot, but percentage-wise. That's, you know, 15% of all the, in, the, the Native Americans who 
who live in America. You know? Huge amount. Depressing. And you've also got to remember that uh, roughly 18,000 have died of starvation, disease, and exhaustion oh, on the way to Oklahoma. Oh. And this, you may know this name, is referred to as the Trail of Tears. Oh. Okay. Have you heard that phrase? It's popped up. I never yeah, yeah, looked yeah. into it. Um, got, uh, the alternative they were given is they could leave the tribe, mm-hmm. become state citizens, subject to state law, and be given 640 acres of land. However, a lot of their claims were stolen from them by other people and um, sold on to other white people. Um, So roughly, so think about that, 640 acres of land, roughly 3.8 million acres of land was stolen in this way. I'm mad. I'm mad. Yeah, I'm mad. It makes me mad too. Just... Um, There was some resistance east east of the Mississippi, which cost the USA... It cost the USA about $20 million to put that down. But the American victory was kind of inevitable. West of the Mississippi, however, where the Americans hadn't dug in so much, fighting was really fierce. Now, what Native American tribes can you name, RJ? I can't. I'm None not at gonna, all? I'm not going to lie. I can't. Uh, if, I, if I set you off, mm-hmm. maybe it'll jog your memory. Apaches. Okay. Any more? No. Okay, so some of the prevalent tribes... I only know that because I've heard it, and also mm-hmm. it's a type of web software, essentially. It's also uh, an, an American heavy gunship. Oh, yeah. Named for its uh, ruthlessness and ferocity. Because <laughs> the, the only other words that I Apaches can tell you... Were ruthless. ...from Native American kind of stuff are Tomahawk and Cherokee. That's a tribe. Oh, it's a tribe. Tri- I thought Cher- it was a position. The Cherokees are a tribe. I thought it was like a position within no. in a tribe. That's tr- okay. The Cherokee people are a tribe. Um, so they have the Apache, the Navajo, the Lakota, the Sioux, the Modocs, the Comanches, the Crows, the Utes, and the Cheyenne tribe. Those are some of the ones. Um, can you name any famous Native Americans? No. None at all? No. So, this is why I wanted to do this. <laughs> famous Apaches. Geronimo. That's what real guy. I thought that was just a thing you do when you drop out of a helicopter. Or I something. know, but it's that's where it comes from. He was this. Um, he was exceptionally brave Apache who would charge. That's in, why you say Geronimo. Charging headfirst into you, dangerous situations. That's exactly Geronimo, why. Oh, that's cool. Geronimo. Like I, I wouldn't expect it to be Native American. Like saying it sounds more French when you say it. Like, if you look at it hmm, written... I can see that, yeah. you think more French. Okay. Yeah, that's true. So Or Italian, Other famous... That's... Yeah, Italian yeah. would make sense. Other famous ones. Uh, the Modoc clan tribe leader was called mm-hmm. Captain Jack. He was given that name by, <laughs> by the Americans rather than yeah. his own people. Um, and now, the two Wait, of the more... is that with the song A.O. Captain Jack take me back to railway track? Could be. Could very well be, yeah. Okay. And uh, the Lakota people had two very famous, one less famous and two extremely famous, uh, or well, I'd say famous, not like Tom Cruise, but like well-known leaders. Uh, They had Red Cloud, who Mm -hmm. fought his own war against the Americans, Crazy Horse, and Sitting Bull, who you'll have heard of. Sitting Bull, yeah? No, but the Crazy Horse is more in my head, but I'm guessing... Is it because it's the Osmonds? Maybe. (laughs) Don't judge me and my so, family. <laughs> because 
because these tribes are considered separate, it's not Native Americans versus America. It's not one war. You have to separate into... It's roughly 60 different wars between uh, the Americans and the Native Americans. Um, Censuses estimate the post-Indian wars, the number of Native Americans have dropped to about 125,000 people, which is it's over... It's just like, it's like a 60% drop. <laughs> like, it's near genocide, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know? Um, there were enormous amounts of human rights violations um, happening, even, even in this early days of human rights. Well, the Bill of Rights had been signed. That's the thing. In 1789... Just... You tell me when the Bill of Rights was signed. This isn't the quiz. This okay. isn't the quiz. Yeah, but I, I can't remember exactly. And you like Hamilton a lot, sir. So. Wait, the Bill of Rights? The Bill of Rights. That never comes up in Hamilton. Whatever. It's seventeen eight late late seventeen seventy seventeen eighty. I can tell you seventeen seventy six through to nineteen eighty one, basically. Okay. But well, the Bill of Rights was in there sometime. Uh, I think it was. I think it was seventeen eighty nine. Don't quote me there. Um, which gives every human inalienable rights, but obviously not when it comes to Native Americans. Um, also, something that's very important to think about is um, what um, my one of my great inspirations calls cgp gray calls america pox which is like um, the missing plague um if you've got five minutes go watch cgp's cgp gray's video america pox um so a frightening number of native americans died of previously unknown to them diseases Mm -hmm. typhoid cholera yellow fever these diseases didn't exist in america wow so they were brought over by European settlers and the natives had no previous exposure to these and their bodies had no way of fighting them. So they'd get, you know, cholera and they wouldn't know what it was and they'd die because, they, I don't know. They don't know how to treat it. They've never experienced it before. And there was no... There's there no, is treatment for any of those at this time. Nothing comes back because if you, if you think about it, like America, Native Americans are living the way people are kind of originally were supposed to. They're spread out and they're using the land as, it, as, as it's meant to be. It's only yeah. where lots of people are in close proximity with each other and lots of people are in close proximity with lots of animals that, that you start to get the plague where there's loads of rats and the rats mm-hmm. go there because there's loads of food and you get cholera because pigs are shitting in the water. You know what I mean? Yeah. In America, that didn't happen. So there was, no, there was no great big plague in America that got brought back to Europe. But... Yeah, so is this is a good time to take a break. I think this might be a lit- a good time to take a break. If you've if you've been, you know, sort of mentally affected by that, please just take five minutes. <laughs> Enjoy this advert for Dead Air by Portia McGrath and Beth and Jones. We'll be back in a sec. Hi, we're Portia and Bethan, and we host a podcast called Dead Air. We talk about everything weird, supernatural, and bizarre on podmage.com. Find us where good podcasts are found, and listen to us forever and ever and ever. If you'd like to enjoy more podcasts like Dead Air, please make sure you check out podmage.com. A different different kind of casting. casting. And if you want to support Podmage as well, or support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Podmage, and you can support us directly or support Podmage podcasts as a whole. You get the choice, because that's what we're all about here. Indie choice. Give me money. (laughs) Where were we, Andre? What have we just talked about? Well, we just talked about basically concentration camps, but not. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, yes, the... uh, 
huge amount of atrocities committed against the natives. Native. Uh, native. Excuse me. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. I the want native to American when people. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> committed against the. I shouldn't laugh. <clears throat> the Native American people by you the colonial Americans. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was bad. It was bad. It was really horrible. Um, so, we're now briefly going to talk about. The econ- sorry, the Western economy. <laughs> I was just looking through my notes and I kind of got sidetracked with how beautiful my own handwriting is. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> right, so, um, the Dweeb. West, the, the economy of the Old West. It was centered on three things. RJ? The economy of the Southwest was based on three things. No, the Old West. The Wild oh, I thought West. you said Southwest. The Western then. frontier. Okay. Based on three things. What were they? Gold, I'm going to guess. Yes. Okay. Mining, but yeah. Okay. Um, that takes away a few other things I was going to say. Uh, land. Uh, what what use of land, particularly? Uh, water and farming. Okay. F- ranches. Ranches, okay. So like farming, but ran- but like it's a ranch. Is water at all in, in those? No. Because I'm guessing when you're inland, water's harder to deal with. I mean, I think w- even at that point, water was a basic human right. So I don't think anyone sold the water, you know? Uh, I guess. I just thought financially would there mm-hmm. be any benefit to, to it. Well, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, cities would set up near water because then you've right, got a so clean go- supply. Mining, ranches. You may not get this else? one. Political policies of the <laughs> Midwest. I don't know. Uh, the fur trade. The fur? The fur I wasn't trade, thinking yeah. that. So you I have- thought it would be quite warm. I think I always view the Wild West as warm, so I, I would never really think of fur as something they need. Yes, in those um, southern states, maybe like so, like yeah. Arizona and Texas and places like that. But further up, you've got to yeah. think the western frontier also extends all the way up to the Oregon counties, where yeah. it's very cold. And in like Seattle, it always rains. So that's, was- <laughs> that's the Washington area. Yeah? I'm thinking of Seattle Cowboys, and I'm like... <laughs> That's a juxtaposition if I've ever heard of. I say it's very cool. It's very cold here. They have to have nice voices in <laughs> Seattle. Um, yeah, have you ever seen The Revenant? No, I've asked you this before. They're all frontiersmen, and they're out hunting game for their I fur. I can tell you for a fact that Tom uh, from Sixty Nine Movies, who Oy. listens to this podcast, is going to hear me say that and go, "He just doesn't know any." pop culture but constantly says that he knows pop culture <laughs> also there's a netflix sh- uh, series called frontier starring jason momoa um which also centers on frontiersmen who go into the fur trade i should look um, that up so they're then. finding it's, it's a good show so they're finding uh, in the more in the more forested areas they're trying to get bear pelts beaver pelts and deer like deer skins right. and these are crucial for the creation of like fabrics and textiles to to improve that industry mm-hmm. but like it wasn't you know, it wasn't the kind of hunting we're used to now, where you just go out with a gun and shoot and get deer, and like, there's no massive amount of commercial farming of these animals. They're just out there with their wits and a bow and arrow. Sometimes they have guns, you know, and they just like the the. If you watch the Revenant, like that's a pretty accurate representation of what they were doing. It's dangerous, it's thoroughly dangerous out there. Um, like you sp- uh, ranches, like you said. Um, but specifically cattle ranches. Mm-hmm. So obviously they're useful for milk, beef, and leather. Yeah. And also they would they would grow crops and till the land and sort of like that. Um, this is where the idea of the cowboy came from. Because the a cowboy was not necessarily someone who just walked into town with a 
or with a pistol on their hip and a Stetson on their head. Yeah, they would have land and manage that. And I'm guessing that they they had the, this whole like tougher persona because people were trying to steal exactly their, it's, their it's, crops and because they had society. a whole large land. But of yeah, money so, essentially. The the idea of like the, the the John Wayne character who goes around and just like wandering and being a cowboy and having having this reputation is that some cowboys would, if their ranch wasn't doing particularly well or they didn't own a piece of land they would hire themselves out it was almost like mercenaries to people who would like to to ranch owners so then they would go and gather cattle mm-hmm. and bring them back or they would escort uh like like um shipments of beef and milk and leather and all that kind of stuff to market so you've got to think about like what a cattle rancher had to do yeah they would go out there's the the two seasons the autumn and the spring they would go out all the way and find wild wild cows herd them bring them all the way back Some, sometimes as many as 300 for one <laughs> cowboy take them back to their ranch look after them take them all the way out again to feed and graze and get water bring them back and just look after these cows for like almost a year and then herd them all down to market like the the, the difficulty of that was was enormous and the fact that you had to run the ranch as well and stuff like that like and then rustling was such a big problem as well, like a cattle rustler. Rustling was essentially stealing livestock. Yeah. I've written that down later. Was cow tipping a problem? I don't know, to be honest with you. <laughs> I just really love the idea of cow, like cowboys trying to mess with other people and just being like, tip. Like, <laughs> I think, this I think, will be a problem I think to people's milk. cows were sacred, I don't know. So, and also mining we mentioned. Silver, iron, and gold were the three main commodities, particularly gold. Um, you, you're aware of the California gold rush? Yep. Where people would go down to California. So um, African-Americans and Mexicans would come up from... Uh, sorry, the Spanish would come up from... Excuse me. Hispanics, one more time, would come up from Mexico mm-hmm. to get in on this. And people from China as well would sail across the Pacific Ocean to the west of America to, to try and get in on this gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you've got the other people with the pans and they've... In the river. Yeah, a little note to do the history of Mexico. Um, yeah, sure. Because I, I do find that interesting as well about how... The conquistadors like, and... Um, Spanish is spoken there, but it's a different kind of Spanish, but it all... How did it originate kind of thing? Cause I don't oh, know well, they were Aztecs that. and Mayans and Olmecs before, weren't they? Oh, but how did Spain become Spain? How did Spain become Spain? Basically. Um, well... Th- th- what? Th- well, no, there's Sp- Mexican yeah. Spanish, and then there's Spain Spanish. 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 Yeah. Traditional Spanish. So well, that's, because, and they're not close. <laughs> well, in the same way that uh, English people went over to America and learned English, yeah. yeah, they speak the same language as us now, but it's a very different dialect, and they have different slang terms and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And because they write differently. they didn't just go back. They stayed in America, and their See, that I want to know the history developed. of how did Spain get to mexico then if that's what what, what how where did well, they sailed across yeah i want to know that story as well okay cool <laughs> no problem cool. um it was it was pretty bloody i'll let you know that Ooh, previews the, <laughs> the, the conquistadors were uh, a bad bunch of guys and they did some nasty yeah. stuff to the uh it'll be another depressing episode yeah, yeah they did real real horrible stuff for the yeah. natives next just like just like uh what the americans did to the hawaiians yeah <laughs> oh, we should do an episode on that as well. I feel like we've entered a bit where I'm like, I want to know all of the history, but I know enough about... Well, you're very interested Hawaiian. in America. If I ever talk about America and 
like you can what, think of other things that are nearby you know yeah so like, i want to know that. more about mexico i want to know about canada the situation with hawaii i want to know I, basically all this comes my interest in all this is how did the british empire fuck the world <laughs> uh in in the most polite term we'll do the fall of the british empire as well i feel like although we've kind of covered that in certain episodes yeah like how it was it wasn't it didn't really fall they were, it didn't really fall we just went I think I think we should probably give some of this back. Yeah, <laughs> like a hundred years after it all happened, someone went. Someone grew some, up conscious. Someone yes. heard about all the stuff we did and went, "Oh my god, did we do it? We no, we need to give this back now. Like this is awful. yeah. It's it's like when you say like you meet a friend and you like you've had one too many to drink and mm-hmm. you've done something stupid yeah. in in the bathroom. It's like so someone's gonna have to clean that up. It's like, oh no, you're right. Oh, so, now I'm embarrassed. I'm so sorry about what I've done. Yeah. So. um Mining, as we were talking about. The California <laughs> gold rush. And also, there was um, very very uh, profitable silver mines in Arizona, particularly in a place called Tombstone, Arizona. Um, Tombstone, Arizona is from where we get the legend of Wyatt Earp, the old West Lawman. Have you, do you know about Wyatt Earp? No. That's okay. There's a film called Wyatt Earp, and there's a film called Tombstone with Val Kilmer as Wyatt Earp. Um, he's a very famous real old West Lawman who had four brothers and um four brothers four brothers maybe five actually mm-hmm. um his story has been taken and made into dramatized into this great big this great big hollywood you know masterpiece epic yeah. epic yeah but he was he was a real guy he was a lawman in tombstone arizona so this booming economy coupled with a large land area and effective but sparse legal presence gave rise to many illegal and savory activities unsavory and illegal mm. so gambling and prostitution, unsavory, mm-hmm. not illegal. Uh, banditry, train robbing. Um, you'll know famous train robbers, Butch Cassidy and Jesse yeah. James. Mm-hmm. Uh, bank robbery, and as I mentioned before, rustling. <laughs> Those things were all illegal. Um, train robbery and rustling and bank robbery were all considered sort of federal offenses. Like they were really bad. Whereas <laughs> just like, you know, public drunkenness or dueling, things like that were illegal, but they weren't like terribly illegal, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, you were dueling in the slammer for a couple of days like you know what i mean yeah so the lack of presence of lawmakers led to people often taking the law into their own hands such as dueling and then you get that western stereotype of you know meeting in the in the middle of town at high noon um like smaller towns might have one sheriff with you know federal marshals like governing a large area or just supporting them you know what i mean like yeah. a, a sheriff would is generally assigned to a county and then you have deputies so in a little town like you know somewhere like tombstone arizona if you don't have wired up there who have you got you've got one guy who's just been going here you go you're a police now okay. you know there's no training I'll, like I'll make sure everyone doesn't do bad they things. had a they had a tough job because there was a lot yeah. of outlaws bandits and stuff like that all yeah. over the place trying to just trying to make a quick buck yeah um what was I about to say? Yeah, so I just want to point out as well that um, in a lot of towns, particularly Tombstone and in Dodge City, which is a place, which is where the phrase get the hell out of Dodge comes from. Interesting. I like that. There's a place called Dodge City, yeah. We need to get out of Dodge. Um, firearms were, were banned. Were well, you not allowed to hold carry them within city limits? So this idea of, you know, this lone gunman with a, a six-shooter on each hip wandering through like taking people out it's just entire entirely a hollywood invention yeah like 
yeah, it was lawless, but it wasn't. It wasn't to the point of that. <laughs> and also, um, sort of cowboy clothing. What do you associate with cowboys? Um, cowboy boots, as in the leather, mm-hmm. like up to ankle boots. Mm-hmm. Um, but up, I fear oh, that that was because of mid, mid, yeah. mid shin. I'd say. What, what did I just say? Ankle. Uh, um, yeah. Up to, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, um, chaps. Yeah. Uh, what else? Cowboy hat. Ten gallon mm-hmm. hat. Um, leather waistcoat is one. Or oh, like a, a long... A duster. Dust, yeah. Um, and like a neckerchief or... Like yeah, a hang, hang, like either a, a neckerchief um, or like a... A bandana. A, a bandana. Or a, I don't know what kind of bow it is, but it's more... Instead of a bow tie, it's more like a, an I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. A bit more. It's the old school... It's not like a cravat. Paul tie. It's... Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, it, no. Not that one. Not the little bull. Like, normally okay. you'd have, like, a little bull with two strings popping yeah, down. Yeah. You're, that's the one you're I don't know about. what that's called. Um, I, I don't even know either. But it, I'm literally thinking it's essentially a bow tie, but it's more, like, in the shape of a, an eight kind of thing. Um, I'll have to show you. Listeners, if you know what these items that RJ is describing are called, because I don't know, please tweet us at HistoryIDK and tell us. Yes. What else did you say? So, okay, think about it, like... Yeah, so... It's not just for show. Like a lot of these things mm-hmm. were very practical. I'm so guessing chaps, the boots they just, were because of snakes. Like there's a snake in my boot. Yeah, and and just the rough conditions they were yeah. in. And they had spurs chaps, on them. Uh, I'm guessing pooping and peeing was an important part. <laughs> I mean, they didn't. Most they needed didn't, the leather to stay protected. But yeah. Also needed to do their business. And they 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 came off of the trouser. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, it protects protects the trouser itself. You just have to wash one thing. Yeah. And they're made of a harder material, so they're going to protect yeah. certain things like that. It's just, it's practicality. Denim is also a big while one it, that I think of. With yeah. Cowboys. While it looks, you know, while it looks cool for uh, Clint Eastwood to be walking down with these chaps and leather trousers, like, the reality was of the practicalities, right? So, when did the frontier era end, RJ? I... Honestly, don't know. Well, it's... because I hear about Bonnie and Clyde, and that's the thirties, but mm-hmm. they seem very cowboy esque. Yeah, they they were like a throwback kind of to the old yeah. cowboy days. They were they were bank robbers. Yeah, I think. Um, but they drove around in cars and things like that. So yeah, exactly. It's a similar idea. the 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 vestiges of the old west could be seen for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, you could argue that it ended in eighteen ninety five or the turn of the century. Um, but as late as 1920, there were still some vestiges left. Um, as, as settlers reached the Pacific Ocean and infrastructure reached every edge of the American continent, cities rather than towns were emerging more. And these cities were where most people moved to with the advent of electricity and new industry react, like reaching the West and the motor car becoming more prevalent, like old ways of doing things died out. Horses were nowhere near as useful or mm-hmm. utilitarian as they were. Like Think about the postal system. How before 1920, it's as we mentioned... It's almost like infrastructure helps support people yeah. and reduces crime. Yes. Remember in the Roaring Twenties episode in America, we talked about how um, the car was, no pun intended, the driving force behind yes, the extension of infrastructure. Yes, it changed so many people's lives. And it meant that no one needed horses anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and transfer information was so much faster. Like yeah. the postal system... I've already mentioned the postal system. Holidaying also, as as an instance as well. Mm-hmm. So like the the fact that we could travel easier in the eighties, like with package holidays and stuff like that, mm-hmm. was a massive one um, for like 
moving people around mm-hmm. the planet and you could uh, you could also doors. argue that um, the frontier era ended in 1959 when Alaska became a state really yeah why was that because it's there was still unexplored territory on the American continent interesting um, I, you have to argue pretty hard and pretty fervently <laughs> to change anyone's mind but yeah um Idea, or potentially then. 1912, when the territory of Alaska was controlled by the U.S. Yeah, I, one thing that I find interesting then, when we do this Canada episode, is would it make sense to chuck in the whole Alaska story within that? Potentially, but because uh, um, the, the whole it bounces back and forth, Russia, Canada, and the U.S. Right? I don't think it was ever owned by Canada. I, I'd need to I'd need to fact check that, but it was definitely yeah. Russian Alaska for a long time. Okay, there we are then. I think until about 1912. Interesting. And then, uh, yeah, it was inhabited solely by the. I mean, it was it was owned by Russia, but it was inhabited solely, basically, by the native people, yeah. the Inuits and Eskimos and Aleuts and interesting. Like that. Um, yeah. So this frontier era, for some reason, just the the extension of like it was almost a precursor to the American dream. You know, come to America, you can do anything. You can get anything you want. <laughs> You can make your own life. This frontier, I this frontier, living. Do as you please. Yeah, it was go out there, make your own way in the world. It's like libertarian kind of exactly. Nearly. And so that idea is what glamorized the old west. That's mm-hmm. why you know for a thousand, like a thousand consecutive weeks, Gunsmoke was on TV. <laughs> you know, Gunsmoke is like the second longest running, I think third, third longest running syndicated TV show of all time. Ugh. After the the weekly wrestling shows yeah. that have been on since like 1985, Andy Standers, <laughs> and like you could think of the amount of people who the amount of actors who've made just made their name from these like Western films. Clint Eastwood is one. Yeah, he's a serious actor now, but he was just known for Sergio Leone films and John Wayne. John Wayne is the like the embodiment of westerns. He won an Oscar. He won an Oscar for True Grit. When he played Rooster Cogburn. Great name. Sounds yeah. definitely sounds like a D and D name. <laughs> <laughs> is that it then? That is yes. Oh, That's I... where I'm going to end the frontier era. Do nice. you have any questions? No, nothing. As of right now, typically I ask you. I interrupt the class quite a lot in order Do you to have ask any my questions. Observations. Anything you'd like to add? Um, why people suck. We did a lot of shit. Yes, this is becoming a theme of I Don't Know History. And if you want a history podcast that doesn't focus on the awful things that white people have done throughout history, um, well, you'll you'll be tough-pressed to find one. (laughs) Because white people have done a lot of horrible shit. Yeah. There's a reason why white guilt is real. Yeah. Yeah, So um, take a moment right now and just go, oof. And do, you know, do you know what what, what annoys me is like, the last episode we were like the American Revolution. It was like yeah, American freedom and yeah. get lost, Mister Baddie Brit. You know we're, we're, we've got our American culture, and it's like this episode we're like, and here's why the Americans are all bad. Yeah, you know because everyone constantly does it. Oh yeah, everyone always ends up being crappy mm-hmm. because a whole. I get. I don't think there is a political system that makes sense where even if everyone's voice is heard, you always hurt and break something mm-hmm. at some point. 
Like, well, it's only now that we're starting to realise like the damage that whiteness we, yeah. does, you know? Like, the fact it's not it's, like <laughs> the damage whiteness does. Uh, it's not... Obviously, I just know that if someone complains about us talking about it like that, um, and it's it's not like being white is the cause of it. So anyone who's bloody thinking that when mm-hmm. saying that, grow up. Um, but we have a very large history mm-hmm. of of doing it. Well, and- you you just got to think about it like this: in 1964, the civil rights movement was passed, and a couple of years later, Martin Luther King was assassinated. Right. He, he and Rosa Parks and Malcolm X and all those people fought for black freedoms. Mm-hmm. And then 44 years after that, in 2008, a black president was elected and half half the world's heads exploded. Yeah. Like a black president? Oh my gosh, you know? It feels like how like, slowly are we moving? Right? Not only that, it feels like we th- the story has been put in the wrong order sometimes. Like with what's going on with Donald Trump and America with that going on. Mm-hmm. It feels like Obama should be coming after this. You'd think we were, we were back in the late 80s of race flipping. riots and stuff like that. You know yeah, I mean? it it feels like that quite a lot. And there's this whole... I'm not, did I mention it in the last podcast? Where there's this whole theory where we are always constantly living in a dystopia. Like, no. the more forward you go, the more dystopian it gets. It's because I think that's because you start to realize that the the ideas that were previously acceptable become unacceptable, and yet they they still remain. Yeah, you know. And like you take if, a look at say like the whole thing of um, oh, what's the film called? Um, Idiocracy. It's oh you, oh it is I think sorry, it is Idiocracy. Um, it's a film where this guy ends up you know going to the future, mm-hmm. um, getting trapped there. And America is a, it's essentially the, the president is Terry Crews. Um, it's a very funny film. He's basically sponsored by Pepsi or something like that. I need to rewatch the is film. Is it when they finally wake up, they discover the average intelligence, intelligence of humans has decreased so much that Joe is now the smartest man in the world. Yes. Is it that one? Uh, because smart people didn't want kids anymore because they were focused on their careers and like the betterment of humanity, but didn't have children so the stupid people kept breeding because they wouldn't put a condom on it uh, or deal with birth 2006 control. film featuring luke wilson it is unfortunately rj not a 69 um, rated film well you can still watch 60, listen to 69 movies uh by tom stickler and rj davis on popmage.com a different, different kind of casting. casting um but yeah it's uh it, you watch that film and you'll have so many parallels to where america is at this moment because i watched it in like 2011 2010 and i was like oh that seems strange but there are some parallels but now i'm like that's a lot of parallels um i just need to I do a cursory political bell ring yeah that's fair. i think it's quite necessary there's a long off, bit as well one off on a little bit of a tangent anyway if that's everything yes i want to thank you for listening to i don't know history if you'd like to follow the podcast please follow us on twitter at history idk if you'd like to support the podcast you can as well you can go to patreon.com forward slash podmage rj do you feel like you've uh you've learned a little more history today yes i feel like i know a little bit more about history great well thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next time this episode of i don't know history was brought to you by podmage.com a different kind of casting. 
written by Alex Fakili and produced by RJ Davis. The theme song is Out Orbit by Revolution Void, licensed under Creative Commons Zero. Oh, hi Portia, what are you doing here? Hi Bethan, I'm just at the podcasting table where we record our podcast, Dead Air. Ah yes, Dead Air, the podcast where we talk about the supernatural, strange and straight up bizarre. I've heard of that. That's the one. You can find it on podmage.com and also on other retailers of podcasts. I hear that we release most Wednesdays, is that correct? That is correct. Well, that's just wonderful. I wish more people would come and listen to Dead Air on podmage.com. A different kind of casting.